0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to another new episode of New Books in Islamic Studies, which is part of the New Books Network. I'm your co-host Shomana Xavier. I hope you're doing well and staying safe wherever you are. And thank you so much for joining us today. As you know, each new episode of New Books in Islamic Studies engages with an author who has published a new book that is relevant to the field of Islamic studies. Today, we are joined by New Books in Islamic Studies own host, Christian Peterson, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies at Old Dominion University. In his new edited volume, Muslims in the Movies, a global anthology, which is part of the Mizan series and was published by iFlix Foundation and Harvard University Press, we are int- introduced to the subject of Muslims in film. The volume contains 19 chapters that engage a range of film industries, including Hollywood, but also movies from the Philippines, Indonesia, Nigeria, Italy, Australia, Saudi Arabia, and much more. The collection challenges its readers to take seriously the ways in which Muslims are represented in films throughout the globe, be it through a close analysis of a film, such as Wajda, or films about North American Muslims, such as Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali. In other instances, authors guide the readers through accessible analysis of particular Muslims in movies and the cinematography or the directors who uh, directed the films, which lead to discussions around Islamophobia, diaspora politics, issues of gender and sexuality, identity politics, and much more. The overall study then welcomes viewers to rethink the ways in which films can be studied as a critical text and it opens up possibilities for multidimensional engagement with Muslims in films, especially films such as sci-fi and romantic comedies and biopics. This accessibly written volume will be a great text to incorporate into courses on religion and Islam and film or popular culture, and will be of interest to students of Islam, gender and sexuality studies, media studies, diaspora and immigration studies, and much more. In our conversation today, Christian and I spoke about how to approach the study of Muslims in film, some of the distinctive features of these contributions and ways to incorporate this text into the classroom and much more. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Christian Peterson about his new edited volume, Muslims in the Movies, a Global Anthology. Hey Christian, how are you doing? Great, thanks so much for having me on the Podcast. Oh, I'm excited. I mean, we're on the same podcast as both, but we rarely get to hang out with each other. I just hear your voice on the podcast. It's nice to be able to chat with you for a change.
0: Yes, likewise. I'm um, so going to get grilled here. So oh.
1: <laughs> I will not do that. It's no. Probably
0: trickier on this side of the podcast. So we'll find <laughs> out.
1: Yeah, you'll let us know at the end, right? Um, so we're talking today about your new edited volume that came out Muslims in the Movies, um, a global anthology. Um, so, I mean, I think our listeners know a little bit about you, you've been on the podcast talking about your previous scholarship. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, this particular topic, like how did you get interested in religion and pop culture or, um, Islam and film? Um, and we'll take it from there.
0: Sure. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, yeah, so my main research has been on Islam and China. It's been on this totally other thing. And this kind of had roots long ago um i took a course i did a a year at humboldt state university and i took a course uh called like cinema and the sacred i think it was uh with this professor stephen jenkins and that was kind of my first introduction of like even thinking about this stuff and it was cool the the guy was kind of um you know out there in terms of like the the stuff we were studying so it was fun, but then it kind of was dormant in the background. Um, and then when I was doing my PhD, um, when I was doing language study, um, a lot of the stuff I would do there was was related to like foreign language films to kind of help um, kind of understand language within you know more realistic settings um, as opposed to you know in our textbooks and things like that. So I started doing some stuff like that and. Uh, I wrote a couple of papers, you know, but it was still just kind of a tangential thing. Um, and it wasn't until I got my first gig at Gustavus Adolphus College where we had a, uh, a January term, J term, and we could teach whatever we wanted. It was kind of like the type of courses that um, were meant to be kind of fun and exciting and, and kind of engage students at this small liberal arts uh, college um, you know, over their winter break, um, you know, that they maybe not, might not take normally. So I I proposed doing this religion and film course. And I got to teach it a couple of times. And as I started to to try to figure out like the terrain of scholarship on religion and film, I found that there was like really nothing on on Muslims and Islam. Um and the, the work that was out there was pretty much, um, you know, the representation of Muslims in film is bad for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course there was the, the work of people like Jack Shaheen who's kind of documented this long history um, particularly in, in Western and, and primarily Hollywood film um, and shown this kind of hundred year history of um, largely Uh, negative either in kind of an orientalist kind of um, fantastic way you know kind of aladdin type um, depictions or a more kind of terroristic framing um, you know not only after 9-11 but 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 certainly Mm -hmm. highlighted after 9-11 and i was like man this is not really what i want to be you know talking about my my students like i want them to know about this stuff but I want them to also understand that, um, you know, Muslim creatives are, are making films and, you know, even, even at the time I was teaching, there's lots of great films, um, you know, in a, in a Western context, cause this is the, what my students were able to access. Um, but then of course, uh, in a global context, there's, there's so much. Mm-hmm. So I just, I was like, ugh, like I didn't, <laughs> it just felt icky and yeah. I was like, I want, I want more for them to to be able to, to work with here. So, um, so I, you know, kept diving in, in terms of like my own research and that kind of uh, you know, there's this kind of like circle of my interests deepening and then my, my search for research and then trying to, to kind of work on some of my own analysis as well. And that's kind of like where it, the interests began. And then um And then, of course, uh, you know, my first year of teaching, I was also finishing my dissertation. And then I was, you know, in a visiting position. So I was trying to get the book out and and do all these things that you do when you're on the the job market. Um, So I was teaching this course, but I wasn't really uh, actively pursuing any kind of research agenda on the subject uh, itself. And then um, it it was a few years later, um, I was uh, working... Um, on all sorts of things that I got invited to this meeting uh, from my, by Michael Purgill, who was um, at the time editor of this new uh, endeavor called Mizan. And um, it was actually, I was invited because of my podcasting uh, endeavors. It was kind of, it wasn't necessarily digital humanities, but it was kind of like, how do we do scholarship in in different ways? So there was people that were, Uh, kind of doing more public-facing scholarship. There's people that were doing digital humanities projects. Um, And it was a really great meeting. But uh, while we were there, um, Michael was um, kind of thinking about how Mizan could do some like different things. And um, it wasn't out yet, but the first volume in their new book series um, was called Muslim Superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, comics, Islam, and representation, and this was um, a collection that's that's great. It's out now, um, edited by uh, A. David Lewis and Martin Lund. And uh, you know, so kind of thinking about that theme, I was like, oh man, it'd be great to have like a Muslims and film book. Uh, you know, like this is cool that there's a Muslim and comics book, but we should also you know think about this. And Mike was great. He was like, this is an awesome idea, Uh, was really encouraging. And it was, you know, I probably would not have started kind of thinking about like, let's do an edited volume um, if it wasn't for him. So that was, that was one of the big catalysts. And then once, once I kind of had the idea and kind of uh, shaped what I was hoping the volume would look at, I sent a, a basically an open call and I, I got like such a, like a wide and awesome response. It was really uh much more than I expected, to be honest. Um, you know, a typical edited book, you think, you know, maybe like eight to twelve essays, and um yeah, so I got like 80-90 proposals, and I was like, What, what the what hell am I gonna do with yeah. all this? <laughs> so uh, I was working, you know, working through that, and then you know, trying to figure out what was the best ones and um, as it started to come together, um, it, it seemed like the best way for this volume to work would be one that was, um, kind of attempting, a, a more of a coverage approach mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, how can a reader of this volume be exposed to kind of the broadest idea about what is this relationship between Muslims and film and, um, Many of these were proposed in a way that I thought they were going to be able to be like used in a classroom or read by somebody who's totally unfamiliar with these subjects. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how I started to uh, narrow down this. There was a bunch of other really great essays um, actually as well that were a little bit more researchy, a little bit more kind of attentive to, uh, I don't know what the best word is, like uh, the scholarly nuance, you know, a little bit more jargony. Um, so I actually put together and proposed another, a, a second volume from the same proposal. Oh, wow. um, so that one is called um, New Approaches to Islam and Film, which which came out around the same time with Rutledge. Um, but this one, I really was hoping for like, you know, I was trying to think back to those students in the classroom at Gustavus and to some of the people that I had, you know, over the years encountered that were, you know, key scholars in religion and film, you know, as a kind of uh, sub-discipline or sub-field where Islam really wasn't part of the conversation um, because part of what's going on in a lot of the scholarship with religion and film um, it's very Western or historically it's been very Western centric and it's often been related to thinking about more like theological interpretations of film. Mm. So like how, what, what, what can we uh, think about when we watch the films of Terrence, Terrence Mellick or something like this? Like, how does that uh, you know, spark theological inquiry or these kinds of things. So not all religion film scholarship does that, but a lot of it did that. And so when you're thinking about like, here are, you know, the terrorists, those types of films and that type of work really weren't kind of part of that conversation. So I was like this, you know, this volume hopefully can kind of allow those people to, to think about the themes that they're already doing, but in a kind of much broader context and kind of across different traditions rather than, than being focused, um, you know, more in a, in a Christian context or even a kind of, uh, you know, thinking of Hollywood as maybe a, a, a post-Christian secular context where Christianity is still, you know, shaping how films are understood, even if they're not made by a Christian filmmaker or something like this. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, um, what the goal was. And then of course, um, Making it a volume, I found uh, takes like a million years.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) how long did this one take?
0: So, this one took forever. Uh, I'm very, very grateful to the contributors who were extremely patient Mm -hmm. um, over the many different stages. The other thing that happened with this one is you know, because I had such a a great response to the call, um, and there was so much really interesting stuff happening. I, I, I I wanted to have, I wanted to include more. So um, the people that I invited, I basically said, can you do what you propose, but can you do it in like 5,000 words, Right. which for a lot of listeners, if they don't know, that is like much shorter than your traditional academic article. Mm -hmm. So ultimately I, I forget exactly how many here, I don't have chapter numbers but
1: so <laughs> I think it was chapters I just counted how many 19 including your introduction oh okay Great. yeah
0: yeah so this is this is like a lot more than you know a, a lot of editor volume. so um there was a lot more moving parts mm-hmm. um and Yeah. And it was, it took a lot of work. I mean, these essays I think are really great because we really did work on kind of the craft of writing as well. Not only like, you know, what are you saying? And is this argument sound and strong and convincing, but also like, how are we going to say this in the clearest way? Like how can I make the same argument, um, you know, with 50 words less and ones that, you know, my first year undergrads are going to understand. Um, so that was, that was part of it too. Why it, why it took so long, but, um, I, I think it's well worth the wait. I, I hope at least fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I noticed when I was reading it was kind of, as you mentioned um the, the, the 5,000 words, which meant that I, it was so accessible. Um, it was really concise and went to the point. And I thought to myself, Oh, this is a chapter that I could easily incorporate into my, my class. You know, I teach religion and pop culture and I teach all these other things as well. And so, you know, the chapter on Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali or the chapters on Sufism and film um, or Bollywood and Sufism, you know, these were written so excessively that that really came through. And I'm, it's good to hear that that was actually the intention from day one. Um, but yeah, we're talking about 19 chapters. That's a lot of people to kind of yeah. <laughs> coordinate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these are also um, chapters that are ranging as the title of the book says, it's like a global perspective. So we have regions, you know, you know, you're having case studies from Nigeria to the Philippines to Bollywood, to American film, to Nordic film, to Italian film. So I think that was really, really fascinating. How did you like how you know, how do you maintain focus or something that really um brings everything together when you are dealing with such diversity and thinking like you want to expose everybody to Islam and film or cinema in a complicated way, but you still need an anchor to bring it together. Like, so was that something that you were thinking about as you were editing this volume?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly. this. So the, the other kind of part of this, which I think makes the global much more kind of forefront is, I mean, there's a lot of really prominent Muslim-majority sites that have, you know, amazing film industries. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, South Asia, of course, Bollywood has a long tradition of uh, kind of uh, Muslims in film, um, although not always positive. Um, But then we have, uh, you know, Egyptian cinema, Iranian cinema. Um, So there's there's lots of places that have these kind of rich traditions. Um, And when... You know, again, when I was trying to, you know, think about this work that was out there previously, um, much of that work was happening in a kind of a media studies or, or national cinema context. So what that meant was if people are writing about, um, you know, Indonesian cinema, for example, or Southeast Asian cinema more broadly, uh, of course, Islam is part of that conversation, but it was often kind of lurking in the background. It was not something that was kind of really drawn to the front of, you know, how does being in a Muslim majority society or even a context where, uh, you know, Islam is interpreted through, um, you know, public institutions or these things, how does that shape both what filmmakers are producing, but then also kind of the expectations of the audiences. Um, So this, this wasn't happening in a lot of the scholarship of course there's there's really you know great counters right examples that that do go against this um so i always think of uh, nassim pak shiraz's uh book on shia islam and, and uh, uh iranian cinema as like one of these ones where islam is kind of centered in the study of film itself uh, but, but a lot of it coming out of media studies was not thinking about this. So this was kind of the other component I wanted to like, think about, or, you know, <laughs> really I wanted to read about, uh, you know, how, how is Islam, how is being Muslim both as an audience and as uh, media makers, uh, affected in those contexts. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this, this was the other part of it. So it's kind of like bridging these two scholarly subfields of national cinemas, and then religion and film, and kind of uh kind of cross-breeding the their thematic foci and 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 thinking about how, how can we bring these together in a kind of a new way. Um, so in, in all the essays, um, you know, it's it's they're concerned with, you know, where does being Muslim fit into film like production? And then and then also reception. So several of the, the essays, um. Do really interesting stuff with thinking about not only you know like reading a film as a text, right. which is another kind of dominant trend in this, um, but but more thinking about the the social analysis of the film industry. Um, so there's two essays that that do this really well in the um, in the volume. One focused on, um, Wood or uh, the the Hausa film industry in Nigeria. And the tension between, um, you know, publics that are skeptical of film because they see it promoting, um, you know, lax piety or, you know, other things that they 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 found not acceptable within the local context. Um, so how how does making film in that that social context? How is it affected? There's another one that looks at kind of uh, the, the classical period of Egyptian cinema and the role of uh, religious scholars at Al Azhar university um, as serving kind of as a, as a clearinghouse house um, for, for public consumption, what, you know, deeming scripts and films uh, acceptable for, uh, you know, a Muslim public is kind of how it's uh, understood. So, you know, there's, there's, this is kind of, I guess, the the through line is where does Islam shape either the social context or the narrative, uh, you know, narrative story or um, even the aesthetic. So in the, the the essay that you mentioned on Sufism and Bollywood, um, the author Sajid Haidar is looking at. Um, not how Sufism really operates in South Asian society, but kind of a, um, a, a secular understanding of, of spiritual practice praxis, you know, what are like the vernacular sensibilities of Sufism and and how does that uh, operate in film? And for him, it's through kind of uh, visual aesthetics. And then, uh, you know, kind of sonic and musical interpretations. So this is, this is kind of the through line of like, what, what Islam, what being Muslim, uh, how it functions uh, in in these films, in these different contexts. And that was the other kind of goal for me in terms of kind of like trying to be global um, Mm -hmm. is that I wanted to show that there is diversity. You know, when when I'm talking about being Muslim or or defining Islam, I'm not, as an editor, and and the authors aren't trying to police the boundaries of this is Islam, this is not, this is orthodox, you know, Muslim behavior. This is heretical, right? It's not that it's, you know, really concerned about like how is being Muslim defined within these local contexts? And then how, do, how does that take shape uh, both in the films and uh, the settings and the design? Um, and then again, in the audience expectations, um, I think, you know, when you move from uh, one cinematic uh, social context to another, um, audiences are going to assume different things. So, uh, you know, what is made legible to a American audience, or I guess I should say a North American audience for our Canadian listeners. Yeah. Uh, um, th- those signifiers are going to be different, um, than what might be legible to, uh, an Egyptian audience or an Indonesian audience. Um, so I think some of the, some of the authors take those kind of things in account as well, right? How do, how does, uh, everyday Islam, uh, look, you know, what does it look like in these different, uh, cinematic contexts?
1: Yeah. And I loved, really loved this aspect of the edited volume is that you were kind of exposed. Like I didn't really know much about, um, Nordic, you know, cinema or Italian. No, nor did I. Yeah. <laughs> So reading about that and being introduced to some of the the you know representation politics and the history um, in those um, geographical spaces and media cultures was for me really, really fascinating. Um and for me, I think this edited volume really just comes to show how films and media generally can really act as important prisms to interrogate some broader questions. Like one of the other things I noticed throughout Ooh,
0: that was that was good. I like that. I
1: should yeah, write
0: that can... down. <laughs> yeah.
1: You could I'm take it. steal that. Yeah, do it. Go for it. I'll give it to you.
0: No, um, I'll, I'll cite you.
1: No, <laughs> but I think you know the way in which um, gender and sexuality comes up in all these different contexts. You know, um, the chapter by Alberto Fernandez um, Carvajal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name correct. In terms of queerness and a smiley diaspora in the Canadian context is fascinating. Um, representations of women's bodies, um, uh, gendered spaces. And so the ways in which you know um, the, the, me, the, the medium of film, as you said, if you engage with it as a text, what that gives you the capacity to, to see and understand in a new way or politics are in diaspora, especially in the Australian film um, or um, humor. So I think the way so the themes in these edited volumes uh, are just really, really fascinating. So I don't know if you have, that wasn't a comment. It's, that was not a question, that was a comment, but I don't know if you have any thoughts <laughs> about that. <laughs>
0: We're, we're at the conference, right? This is more yeah. of a comment than a question. It's a, um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's I'm great. Uh, High five the top two. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs>
0: no, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're doing a better job than I am of, of highlighting. Again, all the, all the contributors were, were great. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple different ways, I guess, to read this book, which is kind of what you made me think about. Um, so some of them are uh, one way to kind of think about it is the, the approaches, um, you know, several of the, um, of the chapters kind of do things in a similar way. So um, you mentioned uh, M. Cooper Harris's and Michael Muhammad Knight's uh, respective essays on Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. And in both of those, they take this kind of genealogical approach um, and look at kind of the long history uh, of representations of these figures and then place them within their historical context. So, you know, why Uh, you know, around 2001 is Muhammad Ali represented this way. Right. And why is he in this period represented in this way? So both of those chapters are, are great. And of course, I mean, who doesn't want to read about Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. So, uh, yeah, so those, but those do kind of a similar approach. And I think um, it, it demonstrates those changes over time and how film is kind of a product of its social context. Mm -hmm. Um, So so there's that, there's these kind of social approaches that I mentioned, thinking about film industry. Um, um, others take a more um, kind of focused approach in the sense that they look at a specific screenwriter or a director, or even a single film, um, like some of, the, some of the ones you mentioned. Um, we also have uh, people focused on Moroccan film, Iranian film, uh, British British film um, that take this kind of approach. Um, some of them look at uh, the kind of national framing that that I mentioned earlier. Um, so these were the ones. Some of the ones you mentioned, right? One of these does this in an Italian context. How are Muslims uh, represented in Italian context? Which is you know kind of few and far between, um, but we see a similar function in there. Their kind of deployment in these films, um, and then how, in Australian context, how Muslim filmmakers are kind of pushing back against a, uh, a kind of uh, white centering narrative uh, that excludes any kind of uh, you know racial or religious diversity. Um, you know, so and this is done through rom coms um, to kind of question that. Uh, you know, centering of whiteness. Um, and then, um, also in the Philippines, which of course, um, many people probably know has a significant Muslim population. Um, although they're a, a minority and they're often kind of excluded from, uh, the kind of Filipino public that we think of. Uh, so Vivian Angelus, uh, looks at, um, how Muslim filmmakers, are telling new narratives uh especially around women's stories so this this one is a really really interesting essay as well but then there are these kind of cross threads that i don't really lay out uh, you know i've i failed in that respect but uh, you made me rethink of like ways of thinking about this because um, there are there's several that kind of cross this this idea of how to, how does gender operate in a uh, Saudi Arabian context or in a Moroccan context or in the Philippines, Um, how does sexuality, uh, you know, operate in filmic depictions, uh, you know, especially in a Western context where there's such a rigid idea of what uh, Muslimness and specifically Muslim masculinity is gonna look like. Um, So these kind of contest and push back against those kind of rigid definitions. So there are different ways to kind of, uh, I guess, choose your own adventure through the volume. Um, (laughs) um, But also I'm hoping, um, as you mentioned a while ago now, is that a lot of them hopefully can plug into other conversations that people are having in their classrooms or in their work um, to, you know, if you're you're working on, you know, North American Islam, teaching a course on uh, Muslims in North America, right? You might want to include, you know, this essay on, um, you know, queer Muslims in a Canadian context. Um, or or some of the transnational ones too, right? Which a lot of these essays are, are looking at as well.
1: Right, yeah. And I think that's one of the beauties of the, the edited volume is that if you were thinking of teaching an Islam and film or cinema or pop culture class, you could go here. But if you're also teaching these other courses on either diaspora or migration or gender, sexuality, race, there is um, enough standalone chapters that you could, Draw from and you know engage with the film or the social context. Um, and since we're talking about teaching and and you've taught these courses, I mean, do you have any advice for folks either in terms of how to incorporate this text into a course, but how to think about teaching either like um, an Islam and film class or generally like a religion and film class? What are some things that you figured out along the way that you wish others to know or you wish you had known earlier?
0: Wow, that's a good question.
1: Are you gonna also take that down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're good at this. You're really oh, good. I should just retire as an interviewer because no. you're, really, you're doing. <laughs> you are like leading the charge here. Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, there. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways I think people can incorporate it. Ho- hopefully, it's it's easy because instead of like, um, you know, how to teach these films, right. They're really meant as um, kind of partners to watching a film and and hopefully larger conversations. Um, so one of one of the films that comes to mind, is, or one of the chapters that comes to mind, is um, Elliot Bazano's on Wajda, which is a, a Saudi Arabian film. Yeah. Um, and this is the 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 kind of first. Uh, I guess we can think of it as transnational because it's. Uh, It was viewed in, um, you know, film festivals and these kind of things and really has more of a global viewership um, than a local context. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one uh, actually started off for Elliot was he used it in his classes. And uh, the first couple of drafts um, were relying on some of his work that he did with um, the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning about how to use this film in his classes. So we worked, we worked through it and thought about, like, you know, instead of saying this is how I teach this film, like, what are what are the kind of objectives I'm trying to uh, reveal to my students, right, or to foster for my students um, when I show this film, and, you know, that film's I think a really good uh example at least you know i'm in an american context most of my students like i don't have a lot of like international students it's a i'm at a regional institution so a lot of them don't even like know muslims like they've never met muslims okay. so um so i teach a course called muslims and media and uh and there i try to instead of like focusing on that these kind of like negative portrayals which of course we would cover Um, But I try to like show films like this and and Elliot's essay, I think does this really well because there's lots of, you know, the stereotypical things you could think of when you think of Saudi Arabia and the film kind of does get at those, you know, like issues of patriarchy or issues of, you know, women's dress or these kind of things. Um, And I guess those are kind of the low hanging fruit in a sense of like thinking about film analysis. Um, in Elliot's essay, he also gets into like issues of girlhood and what, what might it mean to be a girl, uh, in a kind of patriarchal society and like, how, how does patriarchy get, uh, re-inscribed not through necessarily male female relationship, but also through being a girl and through institutions like school or the home or these kind of things. Um, and then he also gets at, um, you know things that people a casual observer might miss so he does he has a whole long section on um kind of the knowledge of the Quran and scripture and uh utilizing scripture within a a uh, social context uh, which is a big plot line in this film I, I won't give it away mm-hmm. but uh so so he, he he does this really well and a lot of the essays do this, right. They, they're not necessarily saying like, here is this, and this is just my analysis, but they're really more great ways to like think along with, Mm -hmm. you know, view the film along with. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm actually using several of these chapters, um, you know, in my course. So uh, the other thing for, for me, one of the challenges teaching, you know, media in general, but film specifically is um, access, okay. you know, and um, there's, there's lots of great films, uh, especially foreign films, that would be awesome. But one, they they might not be accessible linguistically, you know, have subtitles or these kind of things. Um, but I've had, what I've had to do is rely on, you know, things like Netflix or Amazon or you know even my library doesn't carry a lot of things that the students can just log into and then and then view and uh one one of my frustrations is those often change you know so i might teach a film one semester i want to teach it again the next semester and it's no longer accessible on whatever uh distributor um so that's but that also pushes me to think about you know new films each semester even though it's more prep but it's 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 interesting and it's it's uh it's fun students I think like these. Um so that that's one of the things that's uh kind of shaping the films I select is like what what is accessible. Um yeah, I've kind of lost my steam there. So I, I, I yeah.
1: You no, know, and I completely, I'm, we, I think we've talked about this as I've had the same issue in my religion and pop culture classes that I built my, I don't know, the film section around one particular thing that's on Netflix and before class, yeah. was, it's like taken away, right? Which is then. Oh, making, that's the thing. worst
0: when yeah. I do it like the second week into the class. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so then I have like a rotation of films that I've used, um, but then yeah, the accessibility is a, it's a really important one, which has made me think with some of my teaching assistants about how to navigate it. Um, and so, which brings you into this whole other pop culture realm that's just not media-based. Um, do you have like as you've mentioned some strategies around accessing, um, being able to access the films, and um, how to incorporate and watch the films, but also we incorporate some of these chapters. Um, any other kind of um, pedagogical advice for listeners who teach these types of courses to keep in mind?
0: What else do we do? So for for me. Um, you know, I, I'm, in my course, the way that we're framing it is um, we're kind of thinking about it as a larger continuum of media representation. So we have a whole uh, section where we look at, at film and journalism and how that is another kind of, uh, you know, dominant narrative that shapes this kind of um, interpretation of film. Uh, that there's a relationship between how Muslims are portrayed in public, and then how people are going to be able to to read or interpret those. Um, So again, because of the context, Simon, and I know you're in a totally different context in terms of your student body. um, But for mine, you know, it's a lot of unlearning um, Mm. in the sense of where do these kind of dominant narratives about muslims come from and then how can we deconstruct those and think about those um you know in new ways so like you know why are uh terrorist acts that are perpetrated by somebody who is identified as muslim like overreported you know i think it's like seven or eight times more than you know if it was like a white supremacist or something like this right you know for so for my students they're like, surprised by this they're like wait like yeah why why would that happen Mm -hmm. um so you know part of what i'm doing in my classes is trying to to think about that um but then you know i'm really interested in you know how how these how muslim filmmakers however that might be defined um or people that you know i i kind of in my broader work and trying to to think about an idea of a quote unquote Muslim cinema, which is informed by Islam. So, in the sense of, you know, not that it's necessarily making theological arguments, but in the sense that Islam shapes the the social body, either of the the the, the narrative context or of the audience reception context. Um, that Islam is going to be part of that analysis. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, the films that I use in my course are are not always um, explicitly or overtly related to Islam. Um, so one one film that I really liked recently is uh, Madi Diop's Atlantics or Atlantique. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's, it's pretty recent, but this one um, kind of looks at um, a, a supernatural world that's informed by uh, kind of Muslim popular culture and ideas about uh, jinn and um, kind of possession and these kind of things. Uh, but then it's dealing with like real social issues of immigration and diaspora. Um, so, you know, a lot of viewers might not pick up on that kind of archive uh, that's rooted in Islamic ideas. Um which of course can be interpreted in and and narrated in different ways across different societies. So that story might be told in a different way. If it wasn't, uh, you know, in a West African context, if it was in a South Asian context or a Southeast Asian context, it might be um, told differently, but I think that's kind of the the stuff I'm trying to get at, Um, you know, and when, when I'm looking at, uh, you know, other types of like transnational type things, or what uh, um, some people have called accented cinema in the sense of, um, you know, diaspora populations uh, talking about new experiences. I think these can be really uh, interesting ways to, to get at a lot of these ideas of how Islam might be interpreted in a new context, whether it's in a British context or a North American context, and how that relates to understandings of Islam in some sort of you know, quote unquote, homeland or something like this. Um, and those kind of tensions, I think, uh, come out really strongly for at least for for the types of students that I'm um, dealing with, because uh, it, it kind of makes it relatable and uh, different at the same time, right? So they can kind of uh, empathize with these experiences that happen in, in, in these kind of contexts. And several of the essays uh, do that, uh, right? Like this one that you mentioned on, um, uh, you know, queer Ismaili diaspora. Um, it, there's another chapter that focuses on, um, you know, British Muslims and the kind of changing depictions of British Muslims um, before the 1989 Rushdie affair. And after this is kind of, for Claire Chambers, the author of that chapter, kind of the turning point where, where these depictions start to change significantly. So um, yeah, so the, those are some of the kind of, I guess, issues or tensions I, I'm trying to get at in my class. Yeah. Um, but I would say it's, of course, it's dependent on um, you know who your students are. Because I imagine you have lots of international students, you have a much more cosmopolitan student body, um probably very linguistically diverse um I mean I bet your students like bring you really cool uh you know cultural productions not only film but to to think about is that does that happen to you
1: yeah I mean when I teach um I've I've noticed kind of my syllabus for the religion and pop culture class change every semester where I'm incorporating um like k-pop and um you know uh, things uh from I don't know um a Tamil film cinema, which is more South Indian. Uh, I've been incorporating Turkish um, uh, film culture as well. So it's it's always fascinating to kind of, as you're saying, see what's happening, and then you're kind of always on your toes, right, when you're teaching things like this, just to see what the more recent trends are. And it's it's I don't know if you find this for yourself. I just find it as an opportunity to. Um, explore and have fun and so I tend to in these classes incorporate um, uh, media or pop culture aspects that I'm also thinking through and I just want to think through with my students I haven't quite figured it out Um, so I tend to be a bit more exploratory and curious and in this pop culture class primarily because the students who are in the course as well are in a similar space yeah yeah if um, we could shift gears a little bit. I'm keeping an eye on the time as well. Um, do you have any advice for folks in terms of editing a volume? Um, you've clearly edited now two yeah. volumes we were saying around this topic and um, and it's fantastic. And I'm very excited about engaging with the other one as well. Um, but for those who are maybe thinking about editing a volume or in the process, I mean, what advice would you give to our listeners who are interested in learning about the process?
0: Sure. So. It's challenging mm. um, and I've thought about this many times that I am a bad editor. I am not uh, a very good editor in many ways. Um,
1: but you've what, edited so many volumes. <laughs>
0: well, uh, yes, but um, I, it's all because of the the patience of my, my lovely contributors. Mm. Um, I guess what I've learned, so I'm not speaking from my own Successes, um, but I think you really need to be almost singularly focused um, to really get the uh, an edited volume out in a timely way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you you want to be able to get your author's work, um, read through it, get revisions back quickly, and keep things moving. Um, that was one of my, my failures was I was not able to kind of keep things moving along the production line in a a timely way. Um, so that would be one thing to do. Um, but I think, um, really, uh, one of the things that I think was successful about this, um, was not like the work done on the volume itself, but, I, but and I know this is hard to do, especially in the kind of the moment we're in, um, but is building kind of strong and diverse networks of, of people. Um, part of why I think I was able to bring together all these people working in these different contexts is because w- I've been, you know, trying to cultivate those relationships over time. Um, so I guess kind of thinking about things long-term you know, if you if you have an idea in mind, you might want to start connecting with people, you know, that might be in that, um, you know, area of, of study, uh, you know, well before you say, hey, do you want to contribute to this volume? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to admit that while I did an OK job of kind of global coverage, um, I, I, I just really regret that we don't have anything on Turkish cinema um just because of social conditions of different things uh I wasn't able to include a chapter on that Mm -hmm. which I think is a is a big failing because it's such an important film industry Mm -hmm. but um yeah that that's kind of a side a side note I, I did want to recognize um yeah and I guess thinking about um like who the reader is I think is important um, you know, a lot of edited volumes are like very academic in nature. They're intended for a very academic audience. So if that's who you're aiming for, then like, you know, go for it. You know, that's that's one thing. Um, but I mean, there's, there's different ways of going about this. I thought that was one of the, the unique parts of this volume was we all kind of agreed and, and really bought into um, writing for a public that. Was not experts and that would be interested. And, and, you know, some people might be coming for one reason, but then because of the way the book is written, they would read on into other chapters. Um, This was kind of, kind of the hope. So for us, like focusing on these kind of shorter, more readable chapters, I think was one of the the things that makes this volume uh, a little bit different than a lot of stuff. So I think thinking about audience, and then of course, you'd want to think about what press is going to help you uh, reach that audience best. So, you know, perhaps, um, you know, this, this volume, one of the benefits is it it's, was published as an inexpensive paperback. So people can, you know, hopefully use it in classes or at least get it for themselves. Whereas the other volume that is more academically focused uh, is published in a, a research series on religion and film through Rutledge. Um, cause we, you know, as you know, thinking about that vomit, I was thinking there's a kind of different audience for it. Um, although the nice thing about that is, uh, you can get that, um, if you have institutional access for free, uh, you can get digital copies. So that, that is nice. Um, but yeah, so I think the press is important too, um, in thinking about where, where you want your book to be, what do you want it to be doing? Because, um, I mean, if you are in a, um, you know, institutional setting where scholarship matters. Um, edited books don't do a whole lot. Um, so, you know, you probably want to think of the afterlife of the book more than, you know, oh, is this press a little more prestigious than that press? Probably does not matter for, you know, tenure and promotion and those kind of things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful, but...
1: Yeah, that's super helpful. Um, I think, you know, these are things that you often don't think about until you're kind of confronted with it. So it's great to get your perspective on it. Sure. Um, are there, I mean, any final things you want to mention? Um, I think we could keep talking forever because this is fantastic. But um, before we kind of wrap up in terms of the, the volume, you want readers to take away or anything like that?
0: Well, there was one essay that, it's kind of a unique essay, um... So it didn't really come up in the conversation because uh, it doesn't plug into, uh, you know, other kind of thematic uh, uh, strands easily. Um, but this one was this essay by uh, Hussein Rashid yes. that uh, I really, really love. And um, Hussein is a good buddy of mine. And so we talked a lot about this and how to frame it. And um, anyway, so what what his essay is about is um it's on kind of secondary Muslim characters um people that he ends up calling uh incidental Muslims
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and these are he looks at a bunch of sci-fi films which is uh, his his foray that he's the expert in those and looks at you know how does being Muslim, right so visibly Muslim right either if they're signified through, a name or clothing or some other kind of characteristics um, shape these characters, but where Islam is not kind of pushing the, the narrative forward. Um, So to me, this was one of the really cool uh, kind of theoretical contributions uh, that came out of the volume um, because there, there certainly are lots of uh, these types of characters. And I think probably with, you know, more recent pushes, uh, by you know film insiders to have greater muslim representation Mm -hmm. this idea of the kind of incidental muslim i think is going to be really uh useful and important because um you know there there's going to be more of these types of characters that they are muslim being a muslim is important to them uh, but it's not necessarily part of the narrative of the show or the film um so that that was a really cool essay too and i think that could probably work in a lot of uh context and in classrooms and things like that. Um yeah, I don't know if there's other things. Um I yeah, I hope people will check it out. And um yeah thank you very much for speaking so highly of it. I don't know if you do that for all your guests, but it's very nice to hear that you thought the volume was very good.
1: It was fantastic. Um you know Hussein as you just mentioned Hussein Rashid's um chapter, the idea of the incidental Muslim and like I as I was reading it, I was thinking back to the book of Eli, is it Eli or I I always forget how I
0: think name. it's Eli.
1: Eli, yeah. Um the book of Eli with um Denzel Washington was in that film, right? Um mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So even with some of the chapters, but especially with Hussein Rashids, I was rethinking some of the um the perceptions that I had as I had watched it before I had thought about it theoretically. Um so yeah, it's a good book chapter to shout out, and all the chapters I think are doing fantastic work and um well done, Christian thank you for Thanks. being out with us. Yeah, before I let you go, you know the tradition, you know how we roll on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's it's good segue because you also mentioned Hussein Rashid. What are some things that you're working on these days or, you know, thinking about if um, we're not, you know, all we're all struggling to work. Right, yeah.
0: Well, uh, I mean for the past while now, over a year, I've been like working on like you know, seventh grade math and yeah, yeah. you know, fourth grade English with my kids. And, and oh, so good. that has been um that has been fun.
1: Yes, I um it.
0: <laughs> but um yeah, um in general, um I'm still working on um the this kind of Muslim cinema mm-hmm. and thinking about um you know, I'm, I'm more interested in Muslim media makers, uh, and creatives rather than, um, some of this kind of, um, documenting of the negative representations that continue to come out. Of course, that that's important work, but that's not the the work that I really want to do. Um, so I'm, I'm still working on, um, on this, this kind of idea, um, for, for people that want to kind of start to dive into this. One of the, one other thing that I should mention is the introduction, um, to this volume, uh, I tried to be really comprehensive in, uh, kind of the resources that I cited. So if somebody does want to know about, or like start to think about, you know, um islam in turkish cinema or islam in uh, nigerian cinema or even you know representation of muslims in like chinese cinema uh the 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 work cited is pretty comprehensive and i think would certainly get anyone started in in thinking about this so i'm not totally sure to be honest i mean maybe i'll listen back to this in a couple years But (laughs) because I have lots of ideas, but I'm not really sure where it's going to go, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, One kind of long term project, I think, uh, hopefully I'll be able to do sometime is something I've been calling the cinematic lives of Muslims. And this is, um, you know, I've kind of have an idea about this, but basically it's similar to this book in the sense of it's trying to understand um, this idea of Muslim cinema. in a global context so you know how to do, how does uh, that operate in an iranian context or indonesian context or nigeria or britain or north america or these kind of things um but as i've gotten into that a, a lot of what i've just been more interested in recently is um uh thinking about uh muslim movie stars and um you know specifically in a in a in a British and uh, U.S. context. So I, I've been thinking and, and writing a little bit about people like Mahershala Ali mm-hmm. and Riz Ahmed mm-hmm. and uh, kind of what does their celebrity status enable them to do? So um, kind of in conversation with with film analysis of their um, their kind of um, film CV um, where they're contesting these kind of dominant representations. Um you know, and dominant assumptions about who Muslims are, uh, whether that might be like contesting anti-Blackness in Muslim communities or thinking about uh, Riz Ahmed has been a strong promoter for kind of pushing back against the the negative tropes. Um, So I've been thinking about maybe doing that kind of like celebrity study of of one or both of these figures um, and thinking about not only kind of their, know reading their films uh, but also thinking about like their social life and uh, you know how does that extend through celebrity Um, but again yeah I'm like I'm like hardly writing anything Um, Hussein and I are working on a really cool project at the moment which is coming to the end and I I am partly promising that to you since you're one of our contributors (laughs) Uh, so I, I swear, it's, uh, it's coming close to the end. Yeah. Um, but this, we're doing the, um, the Bloomsbury Handbook on Muslims and popular culture. Um, and this, we take a, a similar approach in the sense that we are trying to um, look at a kind of global uh, population of Muslims. Um, we're trying to think about, you know, issues of, of race or gender or these other things um, but also how that comes through in specific cultural artifacts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know when that'll come out, but we're we're basically at the end of gathering all of our contributors um, entries. And I don't know if I'm working on anything else. I'm doing the podcast. The podcast is like the most fun thing to do. So yeah. I just keep doing that.
1: Yes, please do. Yes
0: but I don't know. I don't know what else I'm doing.
1: <laughs> we're doing so much already. You've already given us a lot between like, you know, grade four English and then like Muslims in cinema and a handbook book on pop culture. I think that's good. <laughs>
0: well, thank you. Yeah. yeah I'm trying. I'm trying. We're all, we're all struggling to, to, to make things happen. Right. So. Yeah.
1: Um, that's amazing. And I'm so excited for all your projects and just to be able to talk to you about it more. And I'm so enjoyed our conversation. We usually see each other, you know, at least once a year at the AR, but this is like a nice catch up. I know. And- So hopefully we'll be able to see each other um, in person soon. One day, who knows? um, (laughs) One day. I know one day. It's just, you know, far in the future, if there's a future, but um, until then, I'm so grateful. Oh, that's that's kind of
0: a grim ending. (laughs) 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 If there's a future. Uh Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Thank you for, for having me on the show. I feel kind of a little bit guilty since uh, you know, probably privileged my my book uh, over others because of my partnership with you, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that that worked out.
1: <laughs> so no, thank but you. I'm genuinely also interested in the topic. So it was a real pleasure to engage with the book and read it and, and think about ways I could incorporate it. And I'm glad that um, our listeners will be introduced to it as well And this important topic on um, Muslims and media. I think it, um, it deserves the platform. I think you're doing great work. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, thank you
0: me. so much again.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
0: All right. Bye-bye.
1: And that was my conversation with Christian Peterson about his new edited volume, Muslims in the Movies, a Global Anthology. I hope you enjoyed our conversation to- together. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again next time. So take care until then. Bye.